Well, hello. Welcome to another episode of What, what the, the Fuck. So excited to be back in the studio. Yeah, it's good. This is officially the beginning of season two. It is. Yeah. It is. Back right. in the studio, at least. Yeah. Well, We've exactly. filmed a couple oh, in between right. here yeah. and there. Studio season two, yes. specify. Yes. yes. In our it, world, this is our yeah. first day back in the studio, which is, is fun. fun. Yeah. So we were supposed to have our friend Christy with us here today. And I got to tell you, Hoyt, I love the way (laughs) the universe always has a better plan. So I went to pick up Christy this morning and something had happened in her life physically, which led to all these other conversations that we were having. So Christy's not here, but in honor of Christy, she said I could still share some of her story. So we'll do that. Oh, great kind of interlaced with what we're going to talk about because it spurred, I think, an even bigger conversation for us to have. So we're just going to go with it. Let's go with it. This is a from the hip, really no notes. So let's let's dig on in and have some fun. So as usual, I'm going to start with the quote of the day. Okay, so here we go. To live in the body of a survivor is to never be able to leave the scene of the crime. I cannot ignore the fact that I live here. That's by Blythe Baird. And we'll explain that quote a little bit. I can Mm -hmm. see your wheels are already turning. (laughs) So this is a very true quote, but I'm going to add a little caveat there to what I I think about this quote as far as in trauma recovery, Mm -hmm. cult survivor, survivor recovery. Because there are spectrums and degrees of each crime, so to speak, right? Sure. Um, In trauma, everyone has a crime scene, but it might be less severe than someone else's, as within different crimes, let's say. There's there's a spectrum. There's I, well, there's there's shades of gray. There's right? shades of gray, yeah, right? A, a recurring theme that we talk about. But yeah, I, I mean, I think what I like about the quote is um, when when traumas occurred, you're never going to forget it. It's, I, I think the greatest metaphor I've ever heard is the thing, you got in a car accident. Uh, you're never going to forget you had a car accident. You may have healed. You might have some scars. You may not have scars. But the right. actual event is not going to just bury and your consciousness is somewhere and it's never going to go away. Correct. How you how you choose to deal with that event and how it serves you or harms you is really kind of up to you depending on how you make those choices. Right. So I think uh, I think taking on the mantle of being a survivor is also taking on the uh, the mantle of saying I'm going to own this event. I'm right. going to continue to to not only uh, talk about it but process it and as I continue to take on new information learn from it. And it's the way I look at the trauma that I experienced, certainly with the cult, um, it's a gift that keeps giving. I keep learning from it as I continue to learn and take in new information. I, I self-reflect. I reflect back on things I did and said or things I wish I had said or mm. wish I had done. Mm-hmm. And it continues to evolve. So uh, I, I think trauma, when dealt with, becomes an incredible, empowering uh, resource. It's just uh, challenging to take up, get up the courage to do it. Right, right. And and along those same lines, and I don't know how with eternal values, if mm-hmm. you would say that people had different, wildly different experiences in your group or mildly, would you, because I think there's a, again, there's a chasm of a difference of 
each person's experience. Absolutely, I, I, I think everyone had their own experience, and that's and even when uh, and for the audience, my group was Eternal Values. That's what we're referencing. Yeah. Um, the um, everyone had their own experience, and I think it's important to acknowledge that that just because I suffered a certain way and I've chosen to deal with those wounds the way I have doesn't mean that's a now a uh, one, sit, one, one size, one size fits, fits all, all. Yeah. You, know, you know formula to, to recover. And because I wouldn't even say, you know, recovery is something you ever get over. Like it's, I love the, what someone once said about trauma. It's not something you ever get over. It's what you get through. And I right. think that's really the way to look at it is, right. is that it's an ongoing process. We're all a work in progress. And these type of things ultimately, if dealt with, I feel really serve us. And that's the, that's the thing that is counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. And, I, and by having these type of conversations and talking to fellow survivors, we're hoping to really kind of put out that platform to say, hey, uh, first of all, there's nothing to be embarrassed about having a cultic experience. And one of our other things we talk about, probably mostly everyone out there has had some form of a cultic experience, maybe not realizing it, maybe not realizing that that was actually the most accurate description for what they experienced. But that type of experience leads to trauma. And whether you choose to deal with it or not can greatly affect your, mm-hmm. you know, the health of your psyche. Right. Well, it's interesting. And this really um, brought a lot of this to, to the surface yesterday when I was talking to Christy. Mm-hmm. Because when Christy was going to come on, I, I w- didn't feel like I was pushing her, but I was on the fence mm-hmm. on, is she ready right. you know, to talk about this? And she's such a lovely, giving person that she's like, oh, I can do it. Mm-hmm. I can push through. Like she wants to give, she wants to yeah. help, she wants to serve. And so I was a little on the fence. Again, the powers that be of the mm-hmm. universe stepped in today mm-hmm. and said, no, she's mm-hmm. not ready. Right. So, but in our conversations, when we were talking, she wanted us to blur her face and, you know, have a hat and, mm-hmm. and have no one know who she was because there's one, and she's a former um, Jehovah's Witness. Right. So she's J- a JW, we X- call it. XJW. XJW. And so that's the group that she was raised in. So her experience I thought was unique because she was raised in it. Mm -hmm. But as soon as she turned 18, she decided to leave, right? Because she wanted to live a normal life. And that's that's a really fascinating thing about a lot of people who are born into cultic groups. A lot of times when they get to those kind of teenage rebellious years is when they a lot of them get out. It's an interesting dynamic. It's very different than like you and I, our experience going into the things a little bit older. Um, You know, I met my cult leader when I was 16, but I didn't really kind of put the roots down as my commitment to the cause or the group until my early 20s. Right. So um, so that's different than growing up in it. I mean, it's its, its own kind of category. And, uh, well, I hope we get to talk to yeah. it at some point. Well, yeah, well, that, thus the spectrum, yes. the the different experiences that each person has had. And, and here's the example that I'll, I'll give you in my conversation with Christy was that in the Jehovah Witnesses, you're, you're excommunicated if you leave, right? Uh, much like Scientology, you have no more contact with family. They right. shun you. They yeah. ignore you. So that yeah. was her decision was, am I allowed to go live a free life and experience mm. life as an individual human? Or do I stay to have a relationship with my, my parents, my family, you know? And she decided to leave. And, you know, surprise, surprise, everyone except one completely stopped talking to her. So it's been, I don't know how many, 20, 30, 40 years since she's talked to some of them. So her struggle in coming on our podcast 
was she's got one relationship Mm -hmm. of a distant relative that will talk to her. One. Mm -hmm. So she thought if they ever found out I did this, I'd lose my only person that talks to me. So my comment to her, and this is how Christy and I are entirely different. Mm -hmm. Again, the spectrum, Mm -hmm. the way we've handled it is so much different. The way we entered our cults is so much different. So it's Mm -hmm. all fair. And there's, like you said, there's no one size fits all. But she's like, I don't want to use that, lose that relationship. And it's someone she never or rarely talks to anyways. It's not like an ongoing friendship. So I was like, Christy, you are just a better person than I am. Cause I would have been like, if you don't let me tell my story, you can F off. Right. I don't want you. Mm Bye-bye. That's how, that's how I move through life. But with Christy, that's not a trigger for her. Mm-hmm. So it's fair. And I honor that. And I respect that, that she doesn't want to potentially lose that one relationship because she's not really feeling the urge to have to talk about what happened like I did. Yeah, And I, and I think that's a huge part of it is mm-hmm. um, I think as you move down that recovery path, um, there's a need to talk and a need to find what you consider a safe person or a safe environment to do that. Speaking publicly is pretty intimidating. I mean, you know, right. you went through quite your own experience yeah. when we first started doing this podcast. So it's a it's a different animal, and uh, and it's something that is not to be taken lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's this type of when we when we when we talk about the journey of the survivor, you know, going from victim to survivor to thriver. I think that that survivor to thriver piece of it is getting more comfortable in your own skin and starting to mm-hmm. want feeling almost a duty to share. Um, I, right. think, I think part of the, the way I look at my uh, experience and you'll, and you hear this with a lot of the guests we've had on, there's, there's a certain point where you go, my goodness, I got myself in a situation I would have never, imagined, right. but I also got myself out of it right. in some, by some fashion. And, and I, by doing that, I learned that maybe I'm a lot stronger than and I more thought. resilient than I would ever give yeah. myself credit for if I hadn't had this experience. And I think that type of confidence that starts to build ultimately goes into a place of saying, well, if I did overcome these obstacles and I did learn all these lessons and I've discovered kind of all these silver linings, am I just supposed to keep it to myself or mm-hmm. should I maybe share it? Because... I certainly know I've heard plenty of stories over the years where, um, whether it's on the radio or a TV or whatever, you come across someone's personal story of where they've had almost, you know, some sort of heroic survival story. Uh, right. And, and it's always um, told me that, oh my God, I, I thought I've had a tough situation. Now I look at this person and what they overcame and what they can talk about. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm so glad I went through what I went through compared to what they went through. So right. I think these type of stories support kind of humanity and encourage us in different ways to say, hey, we're all kind of put against the wall sometimes. And it's and it's really a, a kind of a, a day of reckoning to discover, you know, right. whether we, you know, how we handle it. And 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 those type of stories, I think, provide a lot of inspiration, a lot of hope and a lot of encouragement for whatever situation we all may be in to know, like, OK, um, I can probably handle what I, the, the the hand I've been dealt, right? And uh, and I think that's the, that's what's great about telling these stories is that people can finally say, oh, this person I can relate to on some level. Mm-hmm. Look what they did. So if I've got something similar <clears throat> in my life, 
what's the big deal? Why, why, why can't I talk about it? Why? Right. And, and start losing some of that shame because that's the thing that really hinders all of us is because on some level, Christy's still carrying some shame around that event because otherwise she, she would feel more comfort in kind of speaking openly about it. And, 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 and that's okay. That's a natural part of the, the process. It's, it, I would never want someone to come forward if they really weren't comfortable in doing it. So right. that's not what this is about, and, and, and it will never be about that. But ultimately, it's it's trying to find and be honest to yourself where you are at that time. And sometimes you find out by trying and realizing, right. I'm not ready. Sticking and your toes th- in yeah, the water. it's okay. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, I mean, I certainly, I look back on my early days of when when I was first wanting to talk about it, I was coming from a very um, kind of place of victimization. I wanted to just tell everyone how bad this group and these people had been involved with them, that they were just terrible. And not and kind of leaving out my responsibility and my ownership of my half in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even whether you're, you know, influenced, brainwashed, or just like the, the, the example I used earlier on, if I'm a drunk driver and I kill someone, Mm-hmm. I can't say, well, I was drunk and get a get out of jail free card. Mm-hmm. You still killed someone. You're still responsible for the events that occurred when you were in your body when these things happened. So, so yes, I can make the argument and say, well, I wasn't operating with my full faculties, and that that probably is true. But that doesn't take away that I did what I did, I said what I said, or mm-hmm. I didn't say something that I look back on. I wish I had said, or I, I didn't interfere and stop something that I you know sat by and said nothing. So all those type of things allowed you to take some accountability. And with that accountability becomes the confidence to say, hey, this is where my mind was. This is where I, the road I went down. This is the rabbit hole I got. Mm-hmm. I found myself, but I got out of it. Right. And, and the more kind of um, kind of subjective and, and kind of condemning yourself and telling that, you know, mm-hmm. just how real it was and how, how crazy your know, way of thinking might have been at that time the more forgiving people are. But when you hedge because you feel like, oh, I don't want people to really think I was that bad, then people, you know, they get suspicious. They can tell you're kind of not being transparent. Right. And I think that's the tricky thing about speaking in in public. People will peek, you know, will pick up on that stuff and the haters are out there and they will come in all force if if they think that you're kind of hedging your bets to try to look better. Mm -hmm. You're better off just being honest being transparent, Here's what happened. letting the warts yeah. show, and then hopefully share what that experience mm-hmm. taught you and what you've learned from it. And then then people, are, I find, are infinitely forgiving. But that's that's a hard thing to do, and, and sometimes you only find out by trying. Right. Well, and it's also when you go at it the way you're talking about, mm-hmm. just with that authentic um, ownership mm-hmm. of it, and not in a um, criticizing yourself or the shame or the feeling bad, but the the ownership with the look at what I made it through. Yeah. You know, here's here here were my choices at the time. I made the best choices I could at the time with where I was at in life, but look at where I'm at now. That's so inspiring to people. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what we're seeing. And I think that's what you're referencing as well, that there's an authenticity there that inspires people. That wow, I can tell my story too, but, but it right? Ta- but it takes time. It, it really does. does, and I it's, mean, it's I mean, a different I'm, path for everybody. And I and I look like early on, I loved. Uh, I got very um, 
kind of excited by the shock value that I could comfortably yeah, say. Yeah, we both did. We talked could, about I that. I could say yeah. to someone, oh, you know, I was in a cult for 20 years and let that bomb explode. Yeah. And everyone's like, whoa. And Let me hear about and, that. Yeah, Tell me and, about that. But, but it, was, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was not very serving to my journey and even to the other person because it was so jarring and it was not, it was literally dropped like a bomb um, and, and caused a, a, a kind of visceral reaction which put the conversation in a hole that was hard to dig out of because right. the way I was so kind of abrupt about it and the way that uh, I, I kind of was fascinated that I could shock someone that they would <laughs> ad- think that, you know, who is this person is admitting this. Right. But that word I've come to learn is so triggering, like to just drop it without the any... The word cult. The word cult, yeah. Is, without any context um, starts... To, you, know, you, you basically, for the average person, they have... Like they think of maybe Jonestown or, um, you know, now this, the Nexium thing. All these things that are very, very high profile cult right. stories. And they immediately go to this worst case scenario. And a lot of times our experiences aren't necessarily exactly like that. So you're having to dig out of that. Well, that's not exactly what my experience was. But because you've introduced it in this very abrupt way, sure. you're not really serving the discussion, which, which is the type of thing I really like having now. So right. it was an evolution for me to really realize that that I was better off saying something about uh, that I, I had a cultic relationship, relationship with a group for 20 years. And people are like, well, what does that mean? But that fosters a more investigative conversation sure. rather than me just going for shock value. And now everyone's just kind of, uh, uh, is this person weird or is he telling me the truth or what's happening here? Right. And so you, it, it's just one of these things that it's a journey in and of itself. But, uh, you know, I think like your friend Christy, uh, she's just figuring out for herself and mm-hmm. and she'll know when she's you know uh, ready to do it and or not and it's all yeah it, it's there's all, there's no right or wrong there in is any no of this. right or wrong we're all just trying yeah. to kind of make sense and 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 heal and right um so it's not about it's not about checking a, a box and saying okay now i'm ready you know right and i think it's a day-by-day thing yeah. like today wasn't a good day for her yeah this is not the day we're gonna do this yeah, right that's fine yeah that's fine well and i wanted to um add in and, and share with you a little bit what's been happening with my group along oh, this, yes, this, I want to yeah, this same topic because we have um, a couple of pretty, I'd say pretty, pretty big followings on Facebook of mm-hmm. ex-ICOC members. Okay. But we've kept one of the pages open so that current members can share or oh. pipe in or chime in or say, that's not true, you know, right. whatever. But I find it so fascinating that there's a couple of them, they're obviously trolling the page right? and feel the need to come in and tell us how we're all wrong, right? Or that that didn't really happen or we've changed or, you know, we're not that bad. And I find it fascinating because we're not going to their church service Mm. and standing on the stage telling them all what we think of them. Right. That's what they're living that life. That's their choice. But because we finally have a voice... And we weren't allowed to have a voice in the group because you'd be called divisive or disfellowship or brought in front of the church or what have you or right. rebuked or discipled. It was never a fun process to have your own opinion in the ICOC, right? So compliance was definitely the path of least resistance. Yeah. So now they've got really about a million people that have left their group. Oh, wow. That have is, a voice. Is that more than the people that are in the group? Oh, yeah, or? because it was... Uh, it's been over 30 years right. of recycling 
So people that left were, they just disappeared and were in the shadows and we never knew what happened to them. Well, now they're kind of all coming back and saying, yeah, me too, me too, me too, me too. This is what happened. Or should I say, I got out, I got out, I got out, I got out, right? Like our favorite hashtag with some of our favorite women that are heading up that cause. But um, so there's a couple of them that I normally don't respond, but every now and then I will respond and say, well, what about this? Or what about these 62 emails I sent to leaders asking them to sit down with me to explain why what they did was okay? I will listen. I'm willing to be persuaded. Silence, crickets, nothing, no response. So every time I bring up something that they can't argue with, again, they go silent again. But to come on our page and to tell us all sorts of random things, to feel that need, Mm -hmm. simply because we have a voice. And the page is very nice. It's a support page. It's a survivor page. Mm -hmm. So to come on a survivor platform and say, well, let me tell you what I think about that. It's like, can we at least recover in peace from you people? Do you know what I mean? But we well, still let them on. I, I mean, that, that, yeah. that, that, that's, that happens with a lot of groups. Uh, Scientology is well known for that. Right. You know, and, uh, but it, it goes back to the spectrum thing because mm-hmm. they'll go on and say, well, I didn't have that experience or I don't think that really happened. Well, hello. With a million people, you're going to have a spectrum of experiences. This was a international, worldwide group in every country on the planet, every major city. So, yeah, there were some batshit crazy things going on sure. that you don't know about who's now living in Dallas or wherever this one guy lives. It's like, how can you claim that that never happened? Right. So, there again, there's that spectrum. So, as a leader in the group, I went through things that the last rung person on the totem pole did not go through right. and vice versa. So it's fair that we all had a different experience. Well, sure. I mean, it's, it's no different than you can take any spiritual text and you read it and people could say, well, I don't know if that happened or not. And so right. Some people say, well, I think it did happen. It's like, well, I don't think it did. Yeah. And there's no way to prove it. Right. I mean, right. and, and even today, even if you video something, you can still tamper it. So it's like, who knows anymore? Right. Uh, so I think it really does come down. I, I think any time you fall into this um, mindset of absolutes, that there's only one way or, or a black and white type of thinking, that's where you get into hot water. And it doesn't serve anyone. No. Because like you always say, there's, there's a gray area. There's no mm. black and white. There's no absolute. Yeah. There's what you experienced at that time and your right. perception of it. And then there is a, a, a trauma result. Exactly. doesn't really matter how you got there. It happened. Yeah. And as we were saying, as you continue to take in more information, your mm-hmm. perception of even that trauma result alters as you continue to learn and self-reflect and, and just kind of get to know not only yourself, but the world we, we coexist in. And yeah, there, there's there's this idea of this binary all or nothing right. one way or the highway mentality yeah. is just so destructive. And and you see it all over the world. And, and that's why I always say the, the world we live in is very cultish. Um, because, <laughs> you um, think? Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's everywhere. Once you, once you develop that perspective, you start to see how it infiltrates so many aspects. You know, obviously, the uh, 
the military, politics, advertising. I mean, it's the medical community. Uh, it's everywhere. Uh, because and, and generally the, the, the doctors that are kind of schooled normally are to say, you know, this this illness may, may do this or it could or should, you know, when you're talking about possible right. um, um, remedy, remedies, it may, the, it yeah. could, it would, you know, you, it, you're not, you're not speaking in definitives. It's because it's, it's you're just no way to know. Right. And uh, the problem is there's such a comfort level in wanting to know something definitively and say, in my investigation, I want to be able to say, this is the truth now, check the box, move on. And what I find to be a, a healthier approach is, okay, I may have done my research and I think this looks like this is you know, what I might want to re relay as a truth, but that doesn't mean I don't keep taking the new information to keep testing mm -hmm. it because it could be wrong. Mm -hmm. But from what I've seen so far, I lean into, okay, I think that's the way that works. But when you get into that narrative that says this is definitive and I no longer need to take information, that's where I think things get dangerous mm -hmm. and, and you're, you put yourself in a place of vulnerability to be manipulated because the other like-minded people say, oh, you believe what I believe and beliefs change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? and, and yet beliefs are the way we usually self-identify. So it, when you've got a belief system that's open to be altered, there's not this comfort level of saying, oh, this is definitely the way it is. And I, I can stand on, on this right. you know, pedestal and say, this is the way it is. So what you know, what what I'm basically talking about is either you can stay in a place of definiteness and probably be closed-minded, or you stay open-minded and definitely have your tendencies and things mm -hmm. you kind of lean in towards. But ultimately, you stay receptive. You keep taking in information and keep learning. Like uh, I feel like that's that's why I say we're here at Earth School. We have right. our Earth costumes going to Earth School, right? And ultimately, Skin suit. yeah, and uh, ultimately. Uh, no one gets out of here alive, <laughs> and uh, we're just here to learn. And so I think uh, that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And, and it's not per se about getting to the place where you have it all figured out. When and people are pitching you that, run. <laughs> right, run. If someone says, "Here's the uh, yeah, definitive here, way," here's the way it works. I have yeah. figured it all out. Yeah. Come this way. Yeah. Yeah. Run. Well, and that's a great a great spot to to share uh, some more that happened with. Christy, as far as taking in new information. Mm -hmm. And I was really proud of her because as we were talking about what she was comfortable sharing and not sharing about the mm -hmm. Jehovah Witness group, um, I was like, well, Christy, have you kind of refreshed yourself on what's going on with the group, mm -hmm. all of the, the data, all of the different documents that have been uncovered or leaked um, especially pertaining to the child abuse right. and the sexual abuse. Right. I'm like, it's just coming out by the droves. Yeah. And they had these secret lists of all these kids that they knew had been, you know, sexually abused. And Christy's mm. like, what? What? Because she'd blocked herself off mm. from that in any information. So right. when she left at 18, that's kind of all she stopped knowing about the group right. and rightly so that's probably wise like why does she need to know so she did her own little rabbit hole then she starts sending me all this information right. look what i found look what i found yeah. look what i found yeah. which shows christy's character she was like what and she was bothered by that she was moved by it so then she started digging oh, and i'm good. like yeah and it's and it's recent stuff yeah and stuff they're uncovering about the main guys in that group is 
hideous. Yeah. I mean, these guys, this group has been a safe haven for pedophiles and a place for them to hide. It is, it, it's in the data. It's in the facts. Look at these lists of children that God knows what has happened to these kids that weren't given therapy, mm. that it wasn't ever, their abusers were never addressed. It was all shoved under the rug. They're probably going to church with these same people. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I know some of them that have gone to church with these same people. And to see your parents and your spiritual family being the ones hurting you, you know, you've oh, read yeah. about the damage that that does to the psyche. Sure. Especially well, of a I child. Sexual abuse in any time, whatever any time. Yeah. Right. But when it's a part of your, your, your daily life and your culture from the people that are supposed to protect you, yeah. I can only imagine that well, that is... And when it's accepted on some level as being okay. Sure, or, or, or you're blamed. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's nasty, nasty business. I mean, um, well, I'm glad she's doing the investigation. Well, and yeah, and even though she couldn't be here with us, she she really is one of the most amazing souls I've ever met. She's just a very sweet woman. So even that she couldn't be here yeah. we still had kind of an evolutionary conversation so i was very proud of her um she's a great human and she's like oh come on someday you know yeah, that's fine and if she does great and if not great i just wanted to honor her and kind of share a little bit you know about yeah. her as no, we're, we're chatting today i mean it's a it, i think it's important to acknowledge that um i mean ultimately these stories each person's story is, is unique and and uh identified with their own personal experience but there's themes that keep emerging yeah and, and that's that's what i hope is the educational side of the show it's not it's not just about telling stories it's about recognizing some themes and some consistencies that continue to emerge well yeah. especially in the trauma recovery yeah. side because we can and, talk about stories but i love the the recovery process, the evolutionary dynamic of recovery that we're talking about, because that's really what it's all about. Yeah, and, and that's what that's the part that usually gets left out of it. You mm-hmm. know, people the most important part. Yeah, people people hear, oh you're out, everything's fine. And, yeah. and Christy's a great example. Get back to life. She, chop she, chop. You, know, you get out yeah. at 18, oh well you're young, you're fine. And yeah, it's not gonna affect you. Well that's not true. Yeah. Uh, I mean and it all it's all up to the individual how they choose to you know choose to deal with it or not. Mm-hmm. But um, again, trauma occurred. A car accident, and you're not going to forget that car accident. So, uh, it, whether you choose to deal with it or not, will greatly alter the way it kind of plays right. out. Right, and wouldn't you say it basically drives a stake in the dirt of your life? It's like that trauma, whether you call it a, a a bookmark in the book that chapter, but things shift at that point. It just it it drives a stake. Well, what I what I've witnessed firsthand from some of the people that were in my group. Uh, who have kind of chosen not to deal with their trauma is you also um, stay stuck in time in a way. Yeah, and, and like children with abuse. They kind of stop maturing. Right, or, and, and if it's not dealt with, it kind of unconsciously you draw yourself back into similar situations mm-hmm. because your unconscious mm-hmm. wants you on some level to address this so it kind of repeats and it it can become a really unhealthy cycle or a pattern uh and and people may not always put it together that there's an actual pattern happening right you just think oh here's another bad relationship here's another bad relationship why do i keep pulling these bad relationships it must be me it must be me well 
yes and no. I mean, it goes back to what is there a commonality in some of these unhealthy relationships? Is is there something coming through that kind of you find the impetus in if you go back to that initial trauma? Right. But if that investigation isn't happening, that's why people go into therapy. I mean, you know, you get into the therapist is like, oh, tell me about your mother. Tell me about your father. <laughs> and and uh, but that's that can be very very constructive, and uh, because we all get wounded growing up, all yeah. in different ways, and and um, and we're all kind of the walking wounded. And I think when I when I think about healthy relationships, it really comes down to, all right, what are my wounds and my coping mechanisms? What are your wounds and your coping mechanisms? Mm-hmm. And how well do they match up with each right. other? That will determine we kind of how, meet in the how compatible we are. <laughs> right. Because we're all kind of working through stuff. Right. And, and again, I think that's... We all have different crime scenes. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> the scene of the crime. That, that's exactly right. And so... Uh, that's that's the the commonality is that we're all potentially working on stuff and whether we whether it matches up with one another is for us to discover. But that I think is part of the the enjoyment mm-hmm. of trying to figure out who are kind of our companions and, and allies and, and those who are probably your best to kind of let fall by the wayside. Right. Right. Wow. Well, I want to circle back to something you said, too, and I think it's since we're in season two, okay. I want to go back to this stat a lot because you were sharing about cultic relationships are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Politics. What right. were some of the other things you listed off? Politics. Mi- military. Military. Yeah. Of course, religion. Uh, advertising. You know, yeah. Advertising. Yeah. yeah, it's everywhere. The The stats on indoctrination and, and cultic activity always boggle my brain. The fact that one out of every eight people on the planet will at some point in their lifetime be directly or indirectly affected by cultic activity. That is a international data, widely accepted fact or stat, if you will. One out of eight people will deal mm-hmm. with indoctrination. It might even be higher, I would say it's higher. in today's climate. I would say it's higher. Right? But, yeah, but if we're going to lowball it, we'll yeah, say one that, in eight. That's yeah. almost one billion people sure. on the planet. Yeah. And couple that with at least 10,000 different types of cults on the sure. planet that can sure. be accounted for, big and small, all flavors. You know, we always say it's the same party yeah. of indoctrination. Everyone's just wearing a different costume. Yeah. Right? Sure. Different earth suit, different costume. Yeah. But well, we've all experienced it at some point. Yeah. And that one yeah, and, and I would say if you add in cultic relationships. Oh yeah. Um you're pretty much covering Everyone? the majority of the planet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um it's so, true. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, I think I think <clears throat> without question, uh this is a universal issue. Right. And I think that And it's and it's an epidemic and it's growing. Well, I I, I don't know if it's 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 a great question. Like, is it growing or has it always been here? I or mean, let me rephrase are, are that. We, are we finally acknowledging it? Acknowledging it. Yeah. I think we have a more of a bird's eye view of it mm-hmm. because of social media and everyone having a phone. Yeah. yeah. You know, some sort of smartphone device. Yeah. So we're aware of it. But social media also propels the problem because then people like ISIS, for example, the main way ISIS has converted people is through social media. Right. Yeah. So they're getting Americans. How do you get an American girl to fly over and join ISIS? Social media. Yeah. She feels disenfranchised, right? right? She feels like she doesn't have significance. Come over here. You'll be great. You'll have significance. We're changing the world. She's on a plane. Yeah. 
read an article about it. That happened. Yeah. So no, it, social media can propel the problem. Yeah. No, it, it's a it's it's a worldwide, universal issue, and and mm -hmm. and you know shows like ours hopefully you know, just allow that these conversations become more commonplace, and mm -hmm. and we start using the same nomenclature. I mean, a lot of a lot of it is really just recognizing that the things we're describing and the emotional states that people are encountering are actually the same, just maybe yeah. we're calling them different things. Correct. And, and so um, I know one of my big pushes in this area has been just to try to get us all speaking the same language and using the same terms so we could start to identify just how common and universal this issue right. is. Because I think as long as people don't understand the nomenclature, I agree with um, you. They, you know, they, think, yeah. uh, they think, oh, that doesn't apply to me when actually it Right. more than likely it does. Right. Well, I want to read you something that I think you'll like. In I read this in a book. I can't remember the name of the book, okay. so I'll figure it That's out. Right. But in dealing with the crime scene, I thought this was just an amazing statement to make. An unhealed person can find offense in pretty much anything someone does. A healed person understands that the actions of others have nothing to do with them. Each day, you get to decide which one you will be. Well, I like it. I like right? it. Right? Yeah, I like it because I think, I think ultimately, um, when I think about the journey I've taken, the biggest step first was forgive myself. Right. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, on some level, I've had to forgive everyone else involved as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the cult leader, the people that were high up in the organization, doing things that. I really did not enjoy being. Ooh, on that the other just side. triggered me. I don't think I've done that. <laughs> not triggered me in a bad but, way. That but I'm, I'm just did saying, a ping. But, but yeah, it, yeah. But it's it, it, it's a it's a hard thing to get to. But to realize that um, people misbehaving. Just make a note on that <laughs> while you're talking. Yeah, I need to think about just, that. They're not, they're not they're not born that way. You know, yeah. things happen to them. So so, and it's not that I have to know what happened to them, but it's just to have the empathy and understanding of going. Um, I don't believe if if they were uh, felt loved and and um, safe that they would probably be have behaved the way they behaved. So right, right. So there's things that happen to that person in such a way. So ultimately, it's not doing me any benefit to continue to demonize them. Right. Um, it's yeah, and that's not to say I'm going to forget what happened by any standard. But there's a but, difference. But, but yeah. as far as being able to just not let it tie into my psyche of thinking, oh, I want to see their that person get their come up yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's not really gonna serve yeah, no. ultimately. I mean, so as they as they um as they say, um, uh, revenge is like uh taking poison and expecting someone else to get you know get sick. Right. And so uh, I think it's it's the harder part of it, but it's ultimately what it's about. It's about um forgiveness and mm -hmm. and um and I actually saw this great film uh, this weekend, which I encourage everyone out there to check out. It's called uh, Everything, Everywhere, All, All at, at Once. I saw it. Isn't that weekend. amazing? Yes, we saw it at the same time, probably. <laughs> amazing. I mean, yeah. my mind was blown. Oh. Took me about 45 minutes to leave the theater. Right. No, it was, it <laughs> I was, was like, what just happened? But yeah, I, I mean, I can't even imagine how they wrote that script. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. I'd but, love to have coffee with that guy. Yeah. Incredible. Our guys, so, I think there was two. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely worth checking <gasps> out, everybody. All right. Well, on that note, yeah. on our movie recommendation, we will uh, 
close out. With yeah, the, let's do it. The uh, quote, quote of, of the day. day. We'll, sure. We will bookend this lovely chat. Okay. To live in the body of a survivor is to never be able to leave the scene of the crime. I cannot ignore the fact that I live here. But we can choose to live there as someone who's healed right. or someone who's not healed. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, what a perfect way to end. <laughs> All right. As usual, please, my friends, guard your hearts and your minds. Nobody else but you should have control of these. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. No, I won't fall. Just get-